Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. Over the last several decades, the job market has gone through a roller coaster of change. The Black Monday stock market crash, the 1990s recession, 9-11 terrorist attacks, 2008 financial crisis, COVID-19 pandemic, followed by the Great Resignation, and then the ascent of artificial intelligence. Along the way, jobs have gone through dynamic changes, too. As we live longer and hopefully healthier lives, we often decide to work longer, have multiple careers, delay retirement, and seek new work experiences well into our later years. And Scott Possessor has seen it all. In today's episode, Scott, who is the Senior Vice President of the National Recruiting Firm, Executive Alliance, returns to 45 Forward to offer his observations and insights about jobs for older as well as younger folks in a perplexing economic environment that seems both strong and vulnerable. The host of the widely popular weekly radio show, Jobline, Scott will talk about what employers are looking for in job applicants, what are some of the hot areas for job growth, think climate change, and how AI will affect all of us on the job. And he'll highlight some of the pet some of his pet job hunting peeves, like easy apply websites. And he'll provide some valuable tips and tools for acing job interviews. And yes, for older workers like us who want to keep working, he'll offer some thoughts about ways to consider a progressive retirement. So now let's meet today's guest, Scott Possessor. Welcome, Scott. It's a pleasure to welcome back you to the show. It's great to be with you, Ron. So we always have a lot to talk about on our show, but uh, before we start, I just want to do two things. One, um, to we'll welcome you back and let our audience know that you are a perennial guest that I like to start off early in the every year with your thoughts about the jobs market and jobs in general and careers in general. It's always a good setup for the year. Um, love having you. Love your insights. Um, and the second thing I wanted to do is just to, before we dive into the jobs themselves, you know, talk about your thoughts about this confusing economy, which seems to be constantly full of mixed signals. You know, stock markets up, jobs up, unemployment dropping or stable, but then layoffs are continuing. People worried about inflation still. What are your thoughts? Well, it's not a typical economic downturn that has happened over the last, say, three years. I would say it's directly related to COVID and the supply chain crisis, mm-hmm. not traditional economic factors. You know, the eight economic indicators, if six of them are bad, you know, then you have a recession. If you have two bad quarters of GDP growth, that's a recession. Not anymore. You know, this, what we're experiencing now is not a standard traditional recession. And it's been poor for nearly 24 months. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I have an economist on my radio show that comes on every three months, and he's like been talking about recession for two straight years, and we're still talking about it. Mm -hmm. So that means it could go into this year. It could be, now, here's the thing that gets me. If a a recession is, is defined by two consecutive negative GDP months, when are we going to have these consecutive G- negative negative? We haven't had them. So our GDP has been positive even since before this started, and it still is. We haven't even had one 
negative GDP. So I really don't understand it. The, the only explanation I can give to you is that it's not a traditional economic turndown. It is directly related to inflation and COVID and the supply chain crisis. And when that goes away and companies stop gouging us and return prices to a much more reasonable number, I just spent $6.79 for a tube of soap. Six. I used to pay three forty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, before COVID, so uh, the, the prices are sky high. No wonder Americans are scared because they're paying way too much for products that traditionally they never paid this kind of money for. So um, it, it, it's terrifying for for everybody in the country to look at. You know, everything seems fine, like you said. You know, the the market's up. You know, all the economic indicators are pretty decent, but companies aren't making money the the, the profitability is bad um and and the there could still be a recession looming mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm not sure what that means anymore because as, as you pointed out that that it affects different parts of the economy differently so there are certain there always seem to be certain sectors that are affected more than others i mean i, mean, I guess you've mentioned to me the financial services sector and the technology right sometimes it comes from over hiring I mean, things like housing, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, oh, well, high interest rates. And, and of course, if if you're a person of a certain age like I am, you can remember when I was first looking at houses, you know, many, many years ago, um, interest rates were 18% mortgage rates. So, you know, when people, you know, start screaming about, oh, these high mortgage rates now of 7%, 6%, it's like, okay, they're they're higher than they were, but it's it's a matter of relativity. You know, they were so low because, you know, my observation was in, in an attempt to um, uh, initially avoid a recession, the Fed reduced, you know, the bank rates so low that they were, I think, artificially low. So then in, in spite of COVID, there was the demand increased incredibly. So you had the demand, you know, pushing inflation. But I think you're right, basically. If we just give it some time, let things recover. Um and just you know, do things. Uh, yes, I mean, so if if things are expensive, buy less, you know, and 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 let the the drop in consumer demand help the prices drop. Because I think yeah. you're right. You know, when things go up, the you know prices, you know, costs go up. Companies raise their prices. When thing when costs go down, they don't drop them so fast. You know. Yeah, I mean, you go to the grocery store, and it's really it's pathetic. You know, you, you you see the prices that you're paying for things and you're going, I'm not even going to buy that. I mean, I've always bought it, but I'm just not going to buy it this, this week because right. I, I can live without it and it's ridiculously expensive. Right. So uh, I, I, I'm very disappointed in American companies that are, where if the inflation rate has dropped from 9% to 2.7%, why aren't they dropping their prices by at least a few percentage points right. to compensate for that? They're not. Their mm-hmm. prices are identical to what they were when recession was 9%. Excuse me, inflation was 9%. So the only explanation for that is gouging. So uh, if I was a politician, I would be running on don't gouge. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, well, so now let's shift a little bit to the jobs themselves. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes this has an impact on us, but I think in many cases, you know, 
you know, you've got to set your own path for jobs in terms of what you need. Um, and, and you have lots of great observations about this. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll mention later that people can go to um, your Executive Alliance website and, and get a lot of your thoughts. But but first, let's let's talk about some of your uh, – I always love to hear you talk about some of the things that, that people should know really irritate executive recruiters and, and <laughs> people who help them find jobs. So well, let's start well, with the – it's a, the easy apply jobs. Okay. So easy apply. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice feature. You know, uh, the companies uh, that do it, CareerBuilder and all the platforms and certainly LinkedIn, you know, the the, the number one platform uh, for finding a job, they all have an easy apply button. Mm-hmm. And what's bad about the easy apply button is that it's just too easy to apply. So you're not doing any research. You're not saying, is this a company I really want to work for? You don't even look the company up. You're just clicking a button, you know, and it's automatically distributing. By the way, folks, I want to give you some bad news. The resume that the companies are receiving is not the resume that you've you've made, you bothered to make. They they have their own template. They extract the data and they send this crummy looking resume that, that makes everyone's resume look the same. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you're using a job board like Indeed or CareerBuilder or any of these other places, you're getting the the company is getting a resume that isn't actually the one that you made with a good formatting and the good font and the the colors. You, whatever you've done to it, it is ignored. So you're getting this flat, ugly piece of garbage. So so it, I I don't even recommend using job boards. If, if if you if you have to use a job board, use it as a lead. Use the use the mention of the the job on the job board as a lead. Okay, so now you know there's a job for a financial analyst at um, at Ruby's Costume Company. Okay, so go 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 uh, LinkedIn and click company and type in Ruby's Costume Company. See who comes up. Connect with them, and people connect on LinkedIn. That's what they do. So if you connect with ten people, you're going to get three or four people connect with you. Once you get somebody from Ruby's to connect with you. Yeah, you get into a conversation with them and say, hey, I need a favor. Can you walk my resume into the hiring manager? Now they're going to get the resume that you sent, that that you actually made, not the template that, that comes off CareerBuilder, and you're going to have a much better chance through a personal recommendation. Right, right. Yeah, I think that um, this is good advice for any anyone, in, well, of any age, but I think particularly as you get older, you think, well, I, you know, I've experienced on my resume, people, and I've been around a little bit. And and we've both heard, you know, this notion of the, uh, you know, the black hole of <laughs> job sites where people send in a hundred resumes and they don't hear anything. Nothing comes back, and they, they're like, where where are these? Re- where is this going? You know, so it's, it, it may be easy to apply. It's also easy to ignore you, and I think that's yes. been frustrating a lot of people. And it is frustrating a lot of people. And and I really don't think, uh, you know, if, if you're asking me point blank, I don't think anybody should use the easy apply button. Period. There is no excuse. I mean, no self-respecting job hunter that does the homework and the research and investigates the companies and looks for the opportunities and gets to know the people and networks with with people that work for that company to get themselves in the door. No one that does that should ever use the easy apply button. Mm-hmm. It done does everything I just said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know you're looking for a you know a pill to a an ailment that is not going just like. Most ailments. Well, what's 
you have to do some work. You got to do some homework. You got to, and that's what it, it takes some some work. So, um, and, and um, I think one of the other things you've mentioned to me as we've looked at the job market for a while, there was the, the great resignation, right? And uh, you know, that I think people were like, look, there was some validity. People said, well, let's take a pause and see what I really want to do. Um, people started, you know, looking at different kinds of jobs. Uh, but one thing you've mentioned to me in our conversations is that um, people look, companies now are not looking for people who are job hopping. They're looking for something different. What's that? Okay, so I can give you a perfect example. So uh, I'm working on a search right now for an HR director. And the, the, the when the when the person gave me the search, uh, which was on a Zoom call, he um, he was pretty clear. He says, look, I need stability. I don't want anybody that's ever going to leave here. So I, I mean, this person who I'm going to be letting go has been here 11 years. Person before her was here for 16 years. You know, so don't send me a person who's got one year here and two years here and one year here and three years there and one year here. Because while they have great excuses and they very often they're victims of mergers and acquisitions and uh, financial strife and the company's not doing well, and HR is a loss leader. It it, it costs money. It doesn't make money. So that so a lot of people in HR get tossed around, moved around. It's not a it's not a great field for that reason. But I I looked for candidates with a minimum of four years, and then a second job where they had more than four years, mm -hmm. okay? and I only found three out of four hundred. Wow, that's that's something. Hmm. So it's two years here, one year here. So all this great resignation stuff was just a bunch of hooey. And 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 the other thing too is is why are you leaving the company? And and if you're leaving the company, are you making sure that the reason you're leaving the company is resolved by going to company number two? You know, so people are not even doing that. When you if you use an easy apply button or something like that, how do you know? Mm-hmm. You're not doing any homework. You're not networking with people. So, so again, I, I just think if you want to be valuable, a valuable commodity in the workforce, you need to have stability. You can't be 18 months here, two years here, one year, six months of no employment at all, and then 18 more months, and then three years, and then one year. It just doesn't look good. It's not a good look. Mm. And then people say, well, it's my industry that I'm in. Well, no, it's not. You know, because if I found three people that had four, th these people had 14 years, 10 years, and three years. Mm -hmm. Now, that to me is stability. Okay. And and uh, so that's what companies want again. The problem is it doesn't exist. And the, the statistical numbers of, of people that have that sort of stability right now are very, very, very low. And I think people should should take a job and stay in that job for three to five years. Mm -hmm. If you if you if you're leaving a job every two years, something is wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, there's somewhat of an analogy I think to when people are trying to put together good sports teams, right? You know, you can't have players that are jumping from team to team to team. You can't build a stable team, you know, and, and win win games that way. So I think mm -hmm. you, yeah, you want some variety, you want some you know new players and so forth, but you need some stability so that the your, your team can really work together. I mean, um, at least one company where you were six years, you know, mm -hmm. at least one. Right, right. But, you know, there are, there are many resumes out there that don't have any. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned to me that I think is, you know, has faded with the uh, 
currency of the the pandemic is this notion about remote work. And certainly things have changed somewhat. Uh, but talk a little bit more about that as to how much has changed and how much has not changed. Well, I, th- I think the the hybrid work is, is going to win this war. I really mm-hmm. do. Because there are certain people. I mean, let, let, let's look at the, the obvious. You're an EMT. You, can, you can't do that remotely, right? right. Uh, you're a police officer. You can't do that remotely. So there are many jobs where remote work is not a possibility, never has been, and it never will be. Okay. But let's talk about the jobs where it is possible for people to work remotely. Um, companies are not satisfied that they're getting the maximum value for their for their buck. Well, you know, and, and so they're constantly whining about it. Everybody needs to come back to work. Everybody needs to come back to work. Everybody needs to come back to work. You keep hearing it, everybody. But still, people are working hybrid. So, and people are working remote. So I think by the end of this calendar year, 2024, I think as many people that are going to go back to the office are going to go, and that's going to be it. Because from there on in, people are going to be hired on a hybrid basis because it saves money, Ron. If you mm-hmm. if you're working and spending five hundred and eighty four dollars a month on lunch and gas and tolls or whatever whatever expenses you incur by going to work, why should you spend that money? Right. If you don't have to. So right. so I think ultimately from a cost perspective. And and maybe not remote work, but I think hybrid work is here to stay. Right. And you're going to reward your good employees that produce, well, no matter what the job is. They're good producers. They get good reviews. You're going to let them work two days a week from home, if right. they, if if it's possible. Again, an EMT, no, you know. But but a person whose whose job can be done from home, like a, a writer or a or a, someone who's could do just as well from home. You know, uh, you, you're going to see those people are going to win. I, I think you're going to see the war end at the end of 2024. As many people that are going to go back to work, uh, that's it. That's the, no more people are going to go back to work. And then hybrid work is going to be the the measure of the day for anyone who can work hybrid. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. It makes sense, I think, from the, the employer's perspective, too. You want as much productivity as you can. So if you have a good worker, you have someone, again, someone who's been on the job for a while, you can trust them. You know what their productivity is, what, the, what they need to do during the course of any week. Um, it, it makes sense that they don't – if if they've got a project to do and they have a deadline by you know Thursday, well, um, <laughs> let, let them work at home. There's a certain period they don't need to engage people. When they need to engage people, then bring them back to work. So I think you're exactly right. So on that note, I think we're going to take a short break. Uh, but, folks, there's much more to come with Scott Possessor, a veteran executive recruiter and career expert and radio show host, which we'll talk about more. So um, don't go away. We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. 
Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Scott Possessor, a Senior Vice President of Executive Alliance, a national recruiting firm, and host of the weekly show Radio Jobline. And you can listen to Scott's show, which airs on Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on 103.9 FM, or go online at www.linewsradio.com slash radio jobline. Right, Scott? Is that right? That's right. And if you go anywhere in the country... Uh, at 2 p.m. on a Saturday uh, and just go to that website and click listen live, you'll be able to hear the show. Great. And you can listen to archive shows, right, as well? Yep. They have everything on SoundCloud now. Great. That's great. Okay. So now we're going to uh, segue to um, so to some currency, which is, you know, we, we looked at career trends, but what are the hot jobs now and, and in the near future? Well, the thing that has impressed me the most you know, I mean, it used to be technology was number one and number two and number three. You know, it was right. always technology, technology, technology. Uh, and finance was always big, investment analysts and research analysts and stockbrokers and all that stuff. And that's always big, still big, still big. But one thing that shocked me was I Googled a few weeks back climate jobs. Hmm. And I began to see a never-ending river of jobs. It just didn't stop. And I just did this on Google. Mm -hmm. So uh, listeners, you can just Google climate jobs right now. You don't even have to go to any website just to Google climate. And you'll get twelve to 15,000 listings of climate jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a climate job, is it's it's a wide range, just like it is with anything else. So that, do, do they need accountants? Yes. Do they need salespeople? Yes. So any of these companies, it's the same job. It's just a new label mm-hmm. for, for companies that are going to be focused on climate. For example, the restoration business, Ron. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you have uh, these companies that restore hurricane damaged properties, tornado damaged property, floods. Look, look at all the floods we've had, fire mm-hmm. damage, right? So these companies specialize in going back and getting your place back to where it was. You know, even if it was four feet high with water, they can they can get it back to normal. Um, and these places can't hire enough people. Mm-hmm. They, they virtually aren't enough people to do the job. And all they need is project managers, you know, to manage the project and salespeople. Mm-hmm. So, but they can't get either. Mm-hmm. So, so the, 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 this inequity, this, um, this on imbalance in, in the job market is because a lot of the jobs are shifting to climate related jobs. And some of the old standby job markets like IT and finance, which used to be the two stalwarts of the of the job market are uh, are fading, mm-hmm. and are they fading because um, did they overhire as they expanded, or I guess maybe artificial intelligence may taking maybe yep. taking some of those all, jobs. All those reasons, all the, both of those reasons, and also economic conditions, you know, are not great. So you're not spending a lot of money on IT right now, and um, and the finance world is clearly being impacted by AI. Absolutely. Hmm. You know, they, they, if you if you go back to what these companies used to look like, it was a cube farm with a hundred on one floor, a hundred financial analysts crunching numbers. Well, they don't need that anymore. Hmm. They got the, they got AI to do it, and uh, so so I I think that particular field is going to continue to get whacked. Uh, mm-hmm. IT less so because it takes some creativity. Uh, I don't know how easy that's going to be, but IT is suffering for a different reason, and th- and that's that it's the it it just it's not AI so much. It's it's IT is always the first field in a in a recession or in bad economic conditions, the first field where they cut the spending. Hmm. And once you cut the cut the spend, I mean, how happy is Cisco that people are going to cut spending on technology, right? So. Right. So they have to, you know, lay people off. And so that's what it is. So, so yes, it's AI, but it's also a cut in spending. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one area. I guess people cut marketing and they cut, you know, human resources areas that, that it's like you should be careful where you cut there because you, you're going to need that. You, you know, if you cut too much, you'll have to rehire as things expand. You know, I remember, you know, that would, uh, this is many years ago, my dad was in the aerospace industry and they would, they would, uh, you know, they they hire thousands and fire thousands with every new project, you know, uh, every aerospace project. And it was just like, you know what? Shrink. Yes, you've got to shrink, but, but don't decimate your workforce. Because mm-hmm. uh, you'll get, if you're good, you'll get another project. And, you know, you won't, you're not going to have to rehire and retrain so many people coming back. That's, mm-hmm. that that's another expensive. industry that's really being affected, though. The, the, um, the On Long Island mm-hmm. used to be an aerospace-dominated manufacturing economy. Uh, and now, ever since Grumman you know, took their 20,000 jobs and their basketball and went home, mm-hmm. uh, they, they're... Um, the aerospace industry has not done well in this area where I'm located on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it, there are like vapid, just big holes, you know, right. like to try to get a CNC operator, forget mm-hmm. about it. They, they, there are none. Um, try to get a quality uh, control person who, who does not an inspector, a person who does real quality uh, and, and you can't find them. So there are holes developing in job market. That's why I always talk about this ridiculous imbalance. There's no coordination between the jobs that are needed 
and the jobs that people are qualified for. Hmm. How do you get that uh, equivalency? Well, you can get it. Japan does it. Hmm. So, so uh, there are countries in this world that collaborate. The government collaborates with the workforce, with the companies inside the workforce. Uh, I think I might have told you once on one of the shows, Ron, a story. Real quick, I'll tell it. Sure. Uh, I got a, a press release. This is um, this is when I was on TV job line back in 1990, 1991, somewhere around then. And I got a press release from the um, uh, Department of Labor. Mm-hmm. And it said, uh, dear Scott, um, there's a, a big shortfall of, of uh, physical therapists. And for the next 20 years, you'll have guaranteed employment if you have a, a CPT or any other uh, certification in physical therapy. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I called all 19 colleges and universities on Long Island. And none of them had a physical therapy program. Wow. So there's no collaboration, no cooperation whatsoever. The, the, the government knows what, what, it's, what it's doing. You know, the, the Department of Labor has, has its thoughts, their Bureau of Labor and Statistics and so on. They right. don't share that with the companies, hmm. you know, and the companies aren't communicating with the, Depart- with the Bureau of Labor and Statistics on their needs. There is no communication between those two sectors of 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 uh, on planet earth so so in some companies excuse me in some countries you mm. do have this sort of collaboration you have lower unemployment and uh, much more focused uh, education now some people would say well that takes away the freedom you know that that that, that limits some of the freedom if, if you're going to put me in a certain career well i don't know Mm-hmm. I don't know how much freedom do we need. You know, I, I want to be free to buy what I want. And, and and in order to do that, I need to have a job. So mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think you should be going into certain career paths right now. Certain career paths are emptying out, but yet people are still going to college, majoring in that subject and hitting the job market only to be disappointed. Yeah. I don't think that's, you know, that's just sort of a collaboration of, of you know, information sharing. And helping to make the market, you know, more efficient, as far as I can tell. You're not you're not dictating what well, you need to hire these people. You're saying, well, the, the, these are where the gaps are. These are where the needs are. And, um, you know, I think that's an effective use of government as opposed to just collecting data, you know, that, that doesn't wreck people in any particular place. So, so I mean, another great example is uh, Biden came up with this program to build a semiconductor industry here on Long Island. Right. Uh, excuse me, here in here in the United States, because right. can you believe this? It's it's hard to believe we don't have a semiconductor company in the United States. Mm-hmm. Every company that makes semiconductors is located somewhere else. Okay, so so mostly China. So mm. so the 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 government said, okay, let's let's have our own semiconductor industry. But what they don't know yet, because they haven't gotten to it, is there's no talent pool. Mm. Where are the people going to come from? that are going to make the semiconductors. Wow. So you should be now installing in colleges all over the uh, all over the United States and even high schools, but certainly colleges, a program for semiconductor manufacturing. Does such a thing exist? No. Hmm. So there is no cooperation. There's, there's no one to blame, you know, because it's a, it's a question of, well, who's in charge of this? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and I don't even think anybody knows who's in charge of this. Mm. But years ago, you were involved in the workforce issues, right? You did a lot of work in in terms of workforce development. 
I did. And it was very frustrating mm. because I couldn't, I couldn't get my point across. You know, the, the, I, I kept saying like a broken record to say, you, you've got to tip off the, 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 the companies have to tip, tip off the schools and the colleges and also the, the, the department of labor as to what, their upcoming needs are going to be. So every year there's got to be this complicated survey. And all we all the surveys we conduct are unemployment surveys. Mm. We don't conduct a, an intelligent survey that can actually predict what field people should go into, not in this country. Mm. Wow. Huh. Okay. More to more to come on that. But um so but but as as you people are still looking for jobs now, uh, you've got a couple of things I wanted to highlight. To, you know, for for those who are already in the market, um, uh, some of the ways that uh, the job hunting tips that uh, you've developed that stand the test of time and and age group. Uh, one of them I liked a lot was you called the uh, the star method. Tell us about that. Well, this is for interviewing. So okay. and and it fits anybody, <clears throat> forty five forward, under forty five, sixty five. It, it doesn't matter your age. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when see. The big question used to be, tell me about yourself. No, people don't ask that question anymore. Hmm. It's too easy to rehearse an answer, right? And it doesn't really reveal anything because everyone's going to tell you all the wonderful things, okay? What you really want, what companies are asking today is, tell me about a time you had a setback and overcame it, mm-hmm. okay? Or tell me about your greatest accomplishment, Right? Or tell me about this negative thing or that negative thing or how you handled this, a, a rough employee, you know, that you couldn't get along with, uh, and so on and so on. So these are the questions that are now being asked. Okay. And they're coming as a shock to the job hunter, right? Because mm-hmm. the job hunter still thinks he's going he's gonna to get a chance to, to walk through his resume and say, well, first I did this and I, I accomplished this and I did this. And, you know, that just doesn't work that way anymore. So the interviews are harder than they used to be. Interviewers are smarter than they used to be. So you, you've got to be prepared to talk about what you've overcome, what your accomplishments are, and so on. So when people give the answer, now this is, the, this is where Star comes in. Where people give the answer, the answer is all over the map. So, uh, so tell me about your greatest accomplishment. Well, my greatest accomplishment was what was when I had this uh, this program and it wasn't working, and I and I did it. But there's no setup, so he he went right to the result, mm-hmm. right uh, of the accomplishment. So, so what Star says there are four steps. You explain the situation. Uh, Again, I'm answering a question. What was my greatest accomplishment? What was my greatest defeat? My greatest Mm -hmm. setback? Whatever. Mm -hmm. So so first you have to explain the situation. So what was the situation where this came up? Okay. Now now you've given me a table of contents. So I kind of have an idea where where we're going with this. Then you focused on the task. What was the task? So that's the T in star. Mm -hmm. What was the task at hand? So what we had to do is we had to get this product out the door by March... 2017. And, uh, you know, uh, that was that was what we had to do, but it wasn't going to be easy because we had all this competition. We had uh, supply chain issues. We had this problem. We had that problem. So, so that was the task. And then what was the action that you took? That's the A in mm-hmm. the star system. So, so first you gave me the situation. Mm-hmm. Then you explained the task. Now you're giving me the, the action that you took to make it happen. And then the R in STAR stands for result, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Now you tell me the result. Don't jump right to the result because people don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. You know, so it's such a simple thing, you know, is, is to give an answer that that's complete with a uh, an explanation of how you got here, why it was important, what steps you took to do it, what you accomplished, what was the result. Right. So so I just think if you remember star in your head and somebody says, OK, tell me about uh, your, your greatest setback. Well, OK, tell me about the situation first. What was the task at hand? What action did you take and what was the result? They're not going to put it that way, Mm -hmm. but it's up to you to answer it that way. Right. I think that's a great idea because basically what you're doing is you're telling a story. People remember stories. You're giving Mm -hmm. them a narrative that they can follow step by step instead of just like, boom. So I think this gives them really something to, you know, to hook on. Yeah. And if you go right to the result, right, then you're killing the story. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. uh, another pet peeve you have that I love, which is that uh, people don't put their address, you know, when they send in their resumes or whatever they send in. Why is that? Oh, Ron, if I only knew why. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know it started around the, the uh, when COVID happened, mm-hmm. people wanted to work remotely. And all of a sudden, people stopped putting addresses on their resume because, well, all jobs are remote now. So what difference does it make where I live? Okay. Plus, it's more secure. I don't want to give my address. Then people can send me hate mail. They can, you know, accuse me of this or that. Uh, this is all a giant, smelly pile of crap. Okay. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to find anybody in this universe, you you Google them. Right. And if somehow they've managed to avoid Google, okay, you can pay fifty nine cents. To one of these investigation, fifty nine cents to an mm. investigation bureau, and they'll tell you the address that you live, the phone numbers that you've had, who you're married to, whether or not you've ever been accused of a crime. Do you have a police record? Anything like that for fifty nine cents. So the point is, the people that so there's two types of people. One one group says, "Well, I don't want to give out my my information because I want to be secure and I don't want anybody to to, to cheat me, contact me, steal my social security number." Whatever. Mm. They can do that now. They don't need your resume. Mm-hmm. So it's virtually no impact, v- none. Okay. Then people say, well, uh, all, all work is remote now. So what difference does it make if I had to put my address on the resume? So now I've got a job and the job here is in Bohemia, New York, right in Bohemia, New York. And I get a resume and I don't recognize the area code. You, you Sometimes you get a hint mm-hmm. from the area code, don't recognize the area code. Now it's up to me to decide do I want to waste the time to email this candidate and say, listen, mister, the job is in Bohemian, New York. Where do you live? Mm-hmm. Right? Do I want to waste the time to do that? Or do I just move on to the next resume? And what I do, Ron, and I, and I, I caution all people that don't put a, an address on your resume, I go to the next one. I don't bother. I put them in the in the no address pile. Right. Okay. Right. Which I can go back to if I'm really desperate. Okay. Right. Uh, but if you don't want to put your street address, you don't have to put your street address, put your city. Tell me what city you live in. If you don't tell me what city you live in, I don't know if you're a viable candidate. Right. Can you imagine anything dumber than a person intentionally not putting their resume, their, their address on the resume, thereby preventing you from knowing whether you're a viable candidate? Right. Who comes up with this stuff? Right. 
Well, we'll come up with this stuff after our next break. <laughs> so we're going to, again, folks, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We have one more dynamic segment with Scott Possessor of Executive Alliance. So come right back. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with job and career expert Scott Possessor of Executive Alliance. Uh, Before we continue, uh, I just want to let you know you can read a roster of great articles about job hunting on Scott's LinkedIn page or go to his company's uh, blog, exec, that's E-X-E-C-S-A-L-L-I-E-D, execallied.com slash blog. And you can, you know, there's a whole collection. There's an archive there. Great, great place to to get his insights. So before the uh, the break, we were talking with Scott about some of the lack of intelligence on the part of job hunters. But now we're going to shift to the thing that, uh, that I want him to talk about more about again dealing with the interviewing process about emotional intelligence and what that involves and how that can help you or hinder you. Well, actually, this is something that I would hope your listeners, Ron, who mm-hmm. are. 45 and up, mostly, I'm sure you get all ages, but uh, who are you know, slightly older, hopefully they have emotional intelligence. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. been around long enough. They've dealt with kids. You know, your, your emotional intelligence, your, your EQ 
cue quotient picks up a lot when you have children mm-hmm. and you see temper tantrums and and how to deal with it and psychology that comes into play. Um, but it's 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 very sad when people don't understand how their own emotions are sabotaging them. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a perfect example. When uh, 9-11 happened, right? A long time ago now, but but it did happen. And I had three three employees working for me physically in my in my office. And uh, one of them was a young lady and she cried. She came to work and cried most of the day, mm. most of the day. So she didn't get any work done. And eventually I told her to take a week off, you know, and, and come back to work. But the 9-11 just, just, just mortified her. It just, it just destroyed mm. her. And then I had an, two, two other guys. One was a woman and one was a man. And they were, I wouldn't say unaffected. I wouldn't say unaffected, but they, they certainly were affected by it, but they dealt with it. They they came to work, they picked up the phone, they made their phone calls, they they worked around it. So you have to understand your own emotions mm-hmm. and how that they how they're impacting your life on a day-to-day basis. So let's just say you have a bad temper, right? Let, lots of people have a bad temper. I have a bad temper. But let's say let's say you have a bad temper. So, but you don't manage it. You're not managing mm-hmm. your bad temper. So when you when when you say something that annoys a fellow worker, okay, and that person gives you a little pushback, all of a sudden you got to push back harder. So now you're in like in an argument. It it only took um, ten seconds, you know, and and you're you're in the middle of an argument. Okay, um, so you've got to watch what are your emotions. Do you know? Do you know, Ron, what your emotions are right now? No, right. most people say they do, but they don't. So you mm-hmm. need to think about this, right? And say, what are my emotions? Am I overly emotional? Am I moderately emotional? Am I not emotional enough? Because that can hurt you too, right? You need empathy. To be successful in the workforce, you need empathy. You have to empathize with other people and respect other people's positions through empathy. So you can actually use emotion to help you win or help people or compel people to do to do other things. Or your emotions can work against you. Mm-hmm. So this is emotional intelligence. Are your emotions working for you? Or are your emotions working against you? So uh, I could point to, to multiple people that I know right here that work in this very company uh, and say that some of them are emotionally unintelligent. Some of them are emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's really understanding your own emotions, putting them to work for you, and then understanding the emotions of other people and communicating with them using the right brush. So, so if you if you've got an overly emotional person and you continue to um, make points with them or try to compel them to do something um, with this stoic, unemotional uh, connection, you know why not com- communicate with a little emotion, you know, with that person? So you can alter your communication style and demonstrate that you are emotionally intelligent, and mm-hmm. and that I think is is missing with a lot of people. Yeah, I think this is actually becoming more important uh, as we get older because, um, as you all know, a lot of us um, baby boomers are staying in the workplace. So you have a lot more generations in the workplace. And I think that's going to be an issue, uh, at least to think about in terms of the different ages and different ways of communicating, different styles and different issues. 
Um, what are you, any thoughts about you know this this multi generational workplace as to um, how we should get along? It seems like a lot of it's going to be like cross mentoring. I mean, older people with younger, uh, and then younger people with older. Yeah, I just read something about that recently. I I, I wish there was better cooperation here, you mm-hmm. know, I, but I'm afraid that um, older people are perceived as older people, mm-hmm. which is not how they should be perceived. They should be perceived as people with a wealth of knowledge to share, mm-hmm. right? And until older people start being perceived that way, you're going to have ageism, right? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it, Ron. It's it's a it's really unnecessary. There's no reason for it. Uh, a good, solid employee is a good, solid employee, no matter their age. Age is almost irrelevant. Yet you're lumped into a category. You know, if you're if you if you've got this, uh, if you're over sixty years old or over fifty years old, even. Yeah. So uh, I wish there was more emotional connection being made with people, and people were would reveal how they really feel about things. You know, and not mm-hmm. just give the answer that makes the boss the happiest, mm-hmm. but let people see your emotions, let people know what your emotions are. And then, but always hold them in check. Mm-hmm. Don't let them get the better of you. Don't let them be the reason that you're making said point. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be out of emotion. It should be out of intelligence. Yeah. I think that, you know, there is a lot of wisdom in age and experience. And I think that, uh, but I think, I think there is a lot of ageism and I think a lot of it has to do with technology. We think that, oh, we're in a technological age and older people don't understand technology. Some of that is true. That's, I find almost just as true of younger people. They understand social media, but do they, I don't think that they have any, you know, firmer grasp in technology. And I think frankly, a lot of older people are pretty technologically savvy. I mean, you just, it's a matter not of, uh, of age, but a matter of curiosity. Do you want to keep learning? You know, and I think, I think that's what's changed. As as people live longer and are healthier, I think that that they are they're active and they want to keep learning. I think that's an issue. So on that note, what um, uh, where are people going in terms of uh, working longer? I think that retirements are changing, right? You you've even thought about yourself about that. Yep, I'm I'm doing a phased retirement, so mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of fade out of the job market. I'm not just going to retire. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of people are busy explaining. Well, I thought I thought you retired. Well, well I no, I didn't. I'm still working at so and so. You know, so people are are not actually retiring because we can't because the economy is not helping us and our 401ks are not fat enough and so on and so on. So what you what what I recommend to people is a phased retirement. You know, where you're still going to keep your hand in the workplace, still keep your mind operating at 100% capacity. Um, uh, slow down, you you start collecting Social Security, that could be $5,000 a month, you know, uh, with a spouse, it could be $7,000 a month minus taxes, so it's you're going to clear five. Um, all of a sudden, you don't need 60000 a year of that income you were just making, you know? Mm-hmm. So you drop your income, work two, three days a week, um, but you still, your mind is still working at full capacity. Uh, then when you reach the point where your communication gift is is fading and people can say, uh, you know, he can't do it anymore or, or you know, you, you can't, whatever your job is, you're incapable of doing it, then you got to retire, okay? But only then. I, mm-hmm. would, I would keep working to some degree, even if it's volunteering, Ron. Mm-hmm. I would keep working to some degree to keep your, your brain stimulated. Mm-hmm. For as long as you can, 
right? I, t- I totally agree. I think that that's, you know, people talk about, you know, you live longer and you live better when you're actively thinking and working uh, and contributing and feeling that you're productive. Yeah. So, um, Scott, I realize there's always a lot more to talk about with you even after an hour. But uh, that's where we'll have to leave it for today. Uh, I want to thank you for another terrific conversation. Great advice. Now, folks, um, if you have questions or comments for Scott, uh, what's the best way to reach me, Scott? Uh, I have an easy email address, scott at execsallied.com, E-X-E-C-S-A-L-L-I-E-D.com. Great. Okay. And folks, you could also reach me at ron.roel, R-O-E-L, at gmail.com. Uh, send me your comments and thoughts. I love hearing from my guests. I love hearing your th- thoughts for, for shows. Uh, you know, I love hearing from my listeners. I'd like to engage with you. So uh, uh, email me uh, anytime, and I'll get back to you, and we'll have a conversation. Um, so uh, to tell your friends or colleagues, if you missed my conversation with Scott, uh, tell them they can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Just search for my show, 45 Forward. You can also find it on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or go to my website, roelresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab. Um, so uh, any any last thoughts, Scott, and you want to just uh, offer our listeners, you know, your last takeaway for the day? If you're not putting your city on your resume, you're wasting your time. <laughs> okay. Well said. Well said. Okay. Uh, so, folks, uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Scott Fulton and Catherine Owens, co-hosts of a new uh, podcast called Tattered Capes. Uh, they present a rare blend of both expertise in senior living and longevity lifestyles. Uh, so uh, before we go, um, I wanted to leave you with a, a new segment I wanted to just offer people just to give you a little inspiration to, to ponder for the week. I, I call it a slice of nice. Um, it's a quote. This one is from the legendary Swedish actress Ingrid Bergman. And here's the quote. Getting old is like climbing a mountain. You get a little out of breath, but the view is much better. So folks, until then, keep moving forward. 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.